Sports 1440. Lots of news, lots going on. Corey Perry signed a contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Adam Ernie, reported by Jason Greger just a moment ago, is on waivers. So things are happening. Deadline moves are occurring. The Oilers officially a buyer, although the Corey Perry contract didn't cost them an asset aside from money. 13 in a row and an easy street schedule for the Oilers. With Corey Perry added, we know Ernie's being put on waivers and he'll go down to Bakersfield. But who does Perry replace in the lineup every day? We'll talk about that today. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call us at 1-833-401-1440. We're on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Our guest today, Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. We're going to talk to her about Patrick Waugh, certainly Corey Perry, what it means for the Oilers, a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs. How long do they have before they have to make a move on defense? We saw them play Vancouver and then Edmonton this week and not look good. Now they beat Calgary and Seattle, but there's some there's some wayward play, and Oilers fans know all about defensive structure and when it isn't going well. Toronto's got some issues there. We thank the CBC for the pronunciation. And there you go. Dor- Rachel Dory, Jason Greger will join us today. We're also, we're tracking down, we may end up talking to Jason about it, which is fine, but this AJHL story is so strange that I'd like to go a little deeper if we can today. If not, we'll do it later. One of the questions I have is, can I get, finally get a town team for St. Albert so I can drive to the rink and watch the games? I would love to do that. My money is good. Bring it on, St. Albert. Come on now. Okay. We start the day, as we always do, by saying hello to our wayward friend, who is such a big star now. He doesn't even have to show up every day for work. We say hello to Declan Kruger. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very happy. In just a few months, I've grown myself to a place where I can pick and choose my own hours, yeah. come and go as I want. Nice. Uh, I heard I heard Don- Donovan held it down very well. I heard it was a great show. It was. We, we had a really happy. great time. We, we felt it was peak low tide. Oh, good. Yeah, wow. We, we so, wondered why we don't have, with our usual lineup, the batting order that we usually have, why the ball didn't, you know, sail out of the yard, you know, <laughs> like it did on Friday. So five months, I couldn't get the best out of you. Donovan's oh. here for one day, and he did. I don't hey? know whether it's the collective me or the collective we, but... I'm just saying, we just I pummeled you verbally. I know. I'm very happy for you guys, and I do want to give a quick announcement, some personal news. The WHA tryout did not go my okay. way. I did not make the team, so I'm back. Hallie kept praising you. I had to cut off his microphone. Well, Hallie's a he great said, guy. He knows he what he's talking about. He said you were about. saving the world over there at Jason's remote. I don't know if I'd say I was saving the world, but I was definitely saving our world. Yeah. The world we live in and okay. uh, operate in. I've got a lot of hockey to talk about very briefly, within like 90 seconds or less. How do you feel about the Buffalo Bills today? I can do... Uh, you know what? I'll give it to you in 90 seconds or less because I can do it in one word, and that word is heartbroken. Oh, really? Heartbroken. Oh. Tyler Bass was a guy. They showed the graphic on the screen, 9 for 9 on game-winning or tying field goals in the playoffs under two minutes, I believe, was the stat. I would have to double-check. He has a 44-yard bunny, and he hooks it right. Uh, you know, it is the two most disappointing words if you're a football fan, wide right. I could not believe it. I actually have no no worry about wide right. My guy, you know, the Eagles, they always kick it right through. The Eagles went. The Eagles have been in Cancun for a week plus. We don't even <laughs> think about the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Buffalo Bills, their defense 
couldn't. It wasn't these big. It looked gashes. like the Eagles' defense. It did, and listen, to, credit to the Buffalo Bills. They were able to run the football on Kansas City, jam it down their throats. Josh Allen was tremendous with his legs, but on the other side of the ball, it wasn't big plays to Travis Kelsey. I know he had a couple touchdowns that were big, but I'm saying generally they were able to move the ball. Isaiah Pacheco was able to run the ball. They were able to run swing and slant passes to get the yards here and there when they needed to do it. It wasn't a big play. It was sustained drives on Kansas City. You knew Buffalo wasn't going to be able to stop them, especially in the second half, and you just kind of felt the sand trickling down in the time where you felt the clock was about to strike midnight. Midnight. Tyler Bass had a chance, but all for naught as it's wide right, and we are left heartbroken once again at the hand of Patrick Mahomes. So when I say 90 seconds, what does that mean to you? I think I got it in in under 90 seconds. <laughs> you probably I think did. I probably got it in about 75. If I hadn't interrupted you, I would have been way under 90. Well, I'm still talking now. I'm getting it up, so that's why I'm going to shut the mic all off. All right, but. there you go. That's Declan. We will talk NFL later. Lots to talk about today, AJHL. But I want to talk about this. I want to talk about unique players. So if you are if you are my age or remember the 80s, and I said to you, was Kent Nilsson a better skill player than Esatikinen? You would probably say, yeah. He was the magic man, either here in Edmonton or in Calgary or wherever else he played, Winnipeg. He really could dangle. He was fantastic. Now, let me ask you, if Kent Nilsson was a more unique player than Essa Tikkanen. No. Tikkanen was the agitator's agitator. He was a terrific two-way winger, and he made a difference on a team that had all kinds of skill and all kinds of ability. He really was a unique player. Now, I am in no way comparing Corey Perry to peak Essa Tikkanen. That's not fair. That said... When you look at the Edmonton Oilers' bottom six wingers, you see a lot of players who have certain abilities. Sam Gagne can help out the offense and produce offense without a driver, without somebody pushing the river on his line. He can find a way to score, as he did the other night, winning goal. Matthias Janmark and Derek Ryan are smart two-way hockey players who can penalty kill. High, high, high value there. Connor Brown right now is a good two-way hockey player who's not scoring. All right. All of those things are true. Adam Ernie is a physical guy. Corey Perry is a unique player. And if you're an Oilers fan of the last, say, 15 years, you know that. Agitating, irritating. I compared him to Newman on Seinfeld on my blog today, which I think is about right. If he's on your team, you love him. And if he's not, he is Public enemy number one. Remember Ken Lintzman when he played for the Oilers? You loved him. And then when he didn't play for the Oilers, you hated him. Whether it was Hartford or Philly, Lintzman was called the rat. I don't think Perry's called the rat. But he's a guy who gets in the way. And he fumbles around. He draws penalties. And you're like, did you see what he did to me two seconds before you looked, ref? He's that guy. So the Oilers are adding a unique piece today. And... Look, he is not fast. We'll talk about his underlying numbers. But he's effective, he's tough, he's a pain in the ass, and he's another two-way winger like Connor Brown. If Brown were to be able to score well here in the last half of the year, I think they could be two significant bottom six wingers. Even with the foot speed issue for all of these guys, pretty much everybody who's a winger on the bottom six now is not a fast train. We're going to get into that, but... I think I think the guy who probably will sit initially is Sam Gagne. 
if they can figure out a way to not use maybe Holloway penalty kills or something like that, if they can figure out a way to not use one of the penalty killers, maybe Yanmark or Ryan, or they rotate, something like that. Questions that I have after this. Dylan Holloway played so well on Saturday. So I think you bring him back as the fourth line center. I think that's the play here. Now, who do you put him with? And do you want to break up the line you had? And then the follow-up is, if you put him with Perry and Gagne, for instance, and it clicks, does that box you in? I'm, I'm interested in knowing, because the fourth line, the Holloway line, played more than the McLeod line on Saturday night. They might have two. They went from having two fourth lines, and they might end up having two third lines. My other question is, does Perry signing mean there's less work to do at the deadline? And I, that's a real question. I'm not just throwing that out there because if Holloway ends up being the center on the fourth line and Perry's that right-handed two-way guy you wanted, maybe you're done. Maybe it's goaltender and maybe another defenseman. By the way, Ken Holland always adds a defenseman at the deadline. Always adds a defenseman at the deadline. And you can see the point of it. Lee Broberg on the farm, he's playing a lot, and then you get another seventh defenseman, whoever that might be, and then if there's an injury, you have Broberg. Ben Gleason is playing well. Little chaos, but he's playing very well. Uh, you know, another guy who's coming is Max Warner. I'm not saying he's going to be playing this year. Max Warner is going to play in the NHL, I think, next year at some point. He's really coming along. And the Condors look good. All of the kids did well on the weekend, including Xavier Bargo, who I was legitimately worried about. But he's got a goal and a couple assists in the last two games. Things seem to be turning around there. As I mentioned, if you're just tuning in, Adam Ernie on waivers, and that's uh, via Jason Greger, reported it right at noon. And Corey Perry has been signed. The media veil is about 12.30. We're, are we going to run some tape or are they going to run some tape later with Greger? How are we do handling that? We can, definitely, uh, we can definitely pull some tape when they run it here in a couple minutes. Okay, all right. So NFL weekend, I was wildly entertained by all of the games that I watched. I didn't watch every moment of every game. But I saw today that Zach Ertz has signed with the Detroit Lions, and now I, I'm honor-bound to cheer for them. Do you want to explain to people why I'm honor-bound to cheer for the Detroit Lions after the Zach Ertz signing? Just, is it nothing but uh, faith and love for your old tight end, and you want to see him succeed? Right, because okay. I don't have to. I do not have to go, hey, I saw Jason Kelsey naked dancing around in front of Taylor Swift. He's covered. Everybody loves the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody loves Taylor Swift. Everybody loves Jason Kelsey. I do not have to get on that train. I don't. And I, I don't think they're I don't do you think they're gonna beat Baltimore? Honestly, in your heart of hearts. No, 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 no. I think Baltimore is the best team in the NFL right now. And I think Detroit, I'm not saying they're gonna beat San Francisco, but I think Detroit's gonna show well and I want Ertz to catch one ball, fourth and six. If he can just catch one ball, I'd be a happy man. Do you play Wordle? I used to. Okay. I used to, but I had a strategy where I got the word every time. It was it was five words, and the only letters that left out were like J, X, Q, and Z. And by the by the by the sixth guess, you could always get it right. So and your just your sister and brother are smarter than you. 
Well, I don't know if my brother is. He's five. Oh my god! What? A, so you're I'm gonna take the uh, ripping your family. No, I'm gonna take you the credit there. You just said your four-year-old or five-year-old brother is not as smart as you. He's well. He's definitely held in higher regards, and I think if you had to give him a potential grade, his would be A plus, where mine would be like a C minus. But right now, I'm gonna give it to myself. You know, he's like Connor Bedard. I'm, so are you saying his lack of experience means you're more intelligent? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't buy that, but I can see why you'd say it. Um, this is Joshua Cloak tweeting out, Canada soccer newly appointed General uh, Secretary Allison Walker stepping down a month after taking the job. Um, don't know what's going on, but that never looks good. That never looks good. Somebody goes there for a month and says, okay. Um, I want it's, it's like if Declan said a month after he and I started working together, well, I, I don't want to be a part of this. The AJHL story is baffling. Everything about this story is baffling to me. The AJHL, you can go, I, I'm, I'm always on. If you're wondering where low tide is most nights and days, I'm at the Hockey News. Uh, they've got the, every, every, every issue is online. And you can go to their archive, and it's all there. But you can go back to whatever year you want, and the AJHL is there. Every one. I, I watched the Red Deer Rustlers and Olds and both Calgary teams and obviously Fort Saskatchewan and Spruce Grove and um, Stony Plain. What did I for- I forgot one of them. What, what team did I forget? Sherwood Park, Crusaders, crying out loud. And now Lloyd Minster's in the league. All of these teams for years and years and years and years. And I never thought anything like this would happen. This is like, you know what started this is this damn colleges in the States jumping ship everywhere. And this is a war. And there, I could I know stuff about a long time ago. The 68-69, the I think it was, the Canadian Major Junior Hockey League was the Western League now. And they broke away from the what was Hockey Canada. And there was a big deal. And then they became rogue and they couldn't play for the for the Memorial Cup. And then they became the Western Canada Junior Hockey League. And then they could... It was a mess there for about two years. And this is going to be a mess for a while. But I agree. I saw Elliot Friedman on Saturday night saying that this isn't fair to the players, that they're, you know, canceling games or whatever. And I totally agree with that. You know, if you want to fight and it's a political thing, that's great. These are kids. And they're, you know, they have scholarships and they have made a commitment to you and you made a commitment to them. And you have to honor it. That's my opinion. That and 20 cents will get you absolutely nowhere. All right. This is all Monday's always a I love my Monday and Friday shows. My Monday and listen to me. What an ego. I love our Monday and Friday shows because we have great guests Friday. Lansky blew the lid off canned dog food on Friday. And then your Amchuk came in and just hammered everybody I've ever worked with. If you want to go back and listen, it was incredible. He took. He took everybody out to the woodshed. All the people we've worked with together. No, I'm teasing. He didn't do that. And then today we have Gregor coming up, and we've got Rachel Dory at 1240. Want to ask her specifically about the Corey Perry signing. But also, there's other stories in the league. Patrick Waugh, coach of the New York Islanders. Wow. We'll talk about that and more. On the way, though, NHL rumors, and this will be NHL today. And it, what did you do? Just a quick sneeze. Nothing too major. What, didn't need did to you be turn addressed. the mic on to do that? 
I didn't. The mic stayed off. I, I saw a light go on. You turned the mic on to sneeze. I did not. What the I hell? I turned it on you after once you are sabotaging the show, sir. No, 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 How no. How come I, I heard it. it so well? Uh, well, I'm a loud sneezer. I take after my dad, but I put it in the shoulder. You I turned away. I did everything right. You type loud. You sne- Is there anything you don't do? This I want to hear you drink a, a glass of water. I was going to say I'm a pretty good chewer. Oh, my God. Do you chonk? No, because no, that no, is I the end quiet. of your time on this show. If you chonk, God. When I was a kid, if you if you made noises while you were eating at the table, you you'd be sent out. You'd be you'd be told to go to the barn. There was no barn. You couldn't do that. It was all the rules, man. Anyway, rumors on the way. Lots to talk about re Oilers, and are they close to done? I mean, if Holloway and Perry fix the forwards, do they need to do anything aside from? Maybe get a backup goalie. Maybe get a seventh defenseman. This deadline might not include the first round pick going out of town. <laughs> I can't believe I said that without, you know, cracking up. Okay. Low down with low tide on Sports 1440. On Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Say hi to Doug and Mary today. The Clash had a movie out. Don't remember the year. Maybe 80 called Rude Boy, and right in the middle of the movie, uh, no particular reason, Joe Strummer is at the stand-up piano, and he does a stunning version of Stagger Lee. I mean, it is it is fantastic, and I've always looked for it anywhere, on vinyl or tape or 8-track or whatever these kids are using now. Never been able to find it. Great version of the song. Rachel Dory will join us from Staff and Graph Podcast. A large list of things to talk about today. And that brings us to hockey rumors. Adam Ernie has been placed on waivers. He is the guy heading to Bakersfield because of Corey Perry. Now, there's a few things. Halfway through the season, so he will play at most, what, 30 games down there, 25 games down there, and then he'll be back. So after the dead, or after the season is over, he'll be part of the, um, they used to call them black aces. I was never comfortable with that. Uh, phrase, but he'll be part of the extra folks who come up and are part of the team but don't play. They practice with the team. It's a tradition in playoffs where you kind of reward the minor leaguers or the players who have played in the minors. So that would be like guys like Philip Roberg, who's down there now, Raphael Lavoie, and now Adam Ernie. Corey Perry was signed by the Edmonton Oilers today. It's a incentive-laden contract. I think there's 300000 in bonuses that could be added. So it's further compromising next year because the overage will go on to next year's uh, cap along with the Connor Brown bonus. This is minimal compared. It's like 10% of the Brown bonus. The, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stories that are sort of breaking today that are, that are probably not going to get a lot of play, but they, they are important. Carson Soucy... Uh, has a possible hand injury. Have you ever had a possible hand injury? I am not aware of a possible hand injury. I think so. I, like It's never been diagnosed as a possible hand injury, but there are times when I've sat there and thought, wow, my hand could possibly be injured. But you, I've sprained my hand. Possibly I'll have to go to the clinic. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, definitely. So that's kind of where we are. Flames are maybe getting some good news. Oliver Shillington inching his way back. He practiced with the Flames today. And Jacob Markstrom apparently is on his way as well. I thought their goalie played pretty well on the weekend. 
By the way, the Perry deal is one is a seven seven five K with the bonuses on, added on top of that. And he, Gregor said, Greg, follow Gregor on Twitter. He's really given great information. Uh, unlikely, based on the line rushes that he saw, unlikely that Perry would be in the lineup tomorrow, tomorrow night. Low Tide just coming down from Gregor 16 seconds ago. Knobloch says the original timeline is to have Perry play Saturday. Okay, there you go. See, look how helpful you are. First time in five months. Thought I better wow. kick it into gear a little bit. Very good. You actually are the entertainment part of the show. Your stories about your family and Mrs. Andrews and seven hundred dollar running shoes or did they've really driven the show? Well, I'm happy I can contribute. You know, I would like to be known for my sports knowledge, but uh, if that's not the case, at least I can be a little funny. By the way, when are we running a Mama MMA today? Well, that's going to be at 140 today, as okay. per uh, as per usual. It now, seems of like course, we have that as the time now. Yes, right? yes, I think that's fair. Okay. Tony Brar had the lines and pairings. They go like this. Skinner was at the top. It looks like Picard will play uh, against Columbus, and we'll find out about the rest of the week. I would imagine that Stuart Skinner will play at least one more game. Maybe you run. I mean, maybe you run him against Chicago and Nashville. We'll see. It, it would be good to get Pickard into two games, but then you've got this long layoff. They don't play again until, like, you know, June after after the end of this week, and then they're off for a long time, and then the All-Star break, they don't come back for a while. Oilers lines and pairings look like this today. McDavid between Nuge and Hyman. Dreisaitl is centering Kane and Fogel. McLeod with Yanmark and Ryan. Holloway with Gagne and Brown, and then Perry the extra. Nurse, Cece, Ekholm, Bouchard, Kulak, Dejarnay, Kemp the extra. Picard looks like the starter. And as uh, our friend Declan just said, Jason Greger saying, looks like Saturday will be the target date for Corey Perry to get into game action. Uh, did you order your pizza? Was that okay? Everything going okay over there? It's good. It's coming in. I got uh, extra onions, extra black peppers. Hope you're okay with that. Uh, should be a good one here. Do, do you mean like black pepper or peppers? Peppers. Mm. No, black olives is what I ordered. Yeah, I, don't know. I, was, I was wondering Mystery when you pizza, said black I pepper. I think something's gone bad. Ah, green pepper, black olives, all the same. I like my favorite pizza is ham, green peppers, and onion. Oh, I love that. And if you if you get the t- the pizza and you slice fresh tomato, don't cook the p- potato tomatoes. If you slice fresh tomatoes on that and put a little bit of pepper on the tomatoes, oh yeah, that's real good like that a lot your texts are coming in fast and furious has Corey perry ever been a healthy scratch before it's a great question you'd have to go look at it i imagine there are you know he's an older player now so i'm absolutely certain he would have been maybe in tampa bay this is a great line from alex low tide i like the perry signing any idea what compensation pieces are heading to calgary in the deal <laughs> oh, that's good that's really good Oh, Todd, I've been listening to a lot of people talking about Connor Brown and moving them around or down or whatever. It's nice to have a player like him, obviously, on the special teams, but he's always out there trying really hard. He's working hard. He doesn't seem like he's ever one of those guys that might take the night off. And, yes, sooner or later I know he's going to score. Everybody complains about the money, but at least what we got out of this guy is a guy that shows up, I would almost think, every night from what I see when I watch him from Darcy. I like. I'm starting to cheer for him because... People are saying, send him down, he's useless, or whatever. So I, I'm getting behind him, you know, and he's not useless. He he is he plays the game well. Uh, he's on the right side of the puck a lot. He penalty kills. 
and he had a 10-bell chance, and I'm so, so sorry that he didn't put it in. It'll come, but it's not there yet. And the reason I think you play him is you're winning games, number one, and if he... Like he's like a he's like a gem that still needs to be polished. If he can get into the playoffs and be the Connor Brown that we knew from the before times, then you've made a trade and really upgraded your roster. And remember now, Ken Holland kept his powder dry on how many guys did fans at various times want to send out of town? Stuart Skinner for sure. Ryan McLeod absolutely certainly. Evan Bouchard. Absolutely, certainly should never be used in a sentence. Evan Bouchard. People were mad at Evan Bouchard. Look where he is now. So, as mad as you are at Connor Brown and as upset as you are at Connor Brown, understand this is the, you're looking, you're staring at the now. And the general manager's job is to stare at the future and the now. And he's betting that Connor Brown will uncork a few, unleash a few, and score Five to ten goals in the second half. I don't think that's a bad. John Luke in net tonight, tomorrow tomorrow night? Make it so. Okay. I think that is the case. Taxi squad's a much better, much better way of putting it. Which bonus is Brown going to get? Well, he's going to get all of the bonus, but it's a matter of when it's used. They They could still somehow unload some cap this year and then morph some of that bonus from next year into this year's cap. It would be difficult, but they could do it. I don't think it'll happen. What has Holloway done to solve the forward issue? Hasn't shown anything in two years, and now he solved everything after one game, Randy. Randy, he looked good on Saturday night. And I said, if he does solve the center problem. I don't know why people react so strongly when we're we are talking about Dylan Holloway was a recent recall. We're going to talk about that. Corey Perry was signed today. We're going to talk about that. The great thing about radio is something happens and then we can talk about it. And you can text about it. But if Holloway solves the fourth line center job and Perry solves the two-way winger job problem, then really it's a seventh defenseman and a backup goalie. And you don't have to trade your first round pick. You do not have to do it. Can you imagine the Oilers keeping their first-round pick? Now, look, they're going to get to the summer, and they're going to trade that first-round pick for a later first round and a second or a third, and then everybody will be mad because they won't take the goalie of the future, Wesper Jalstead. I get it. I understand. In the meanwhile, Stuart Skin is a pretty good goaltender. Ed says, I've been working with Grand Perry Storm in varying capacities for a few years. We're all watching to see how this shakes out. But I wanted to comment on the not fair to the players angle. While I sort of agree, I would point out there are 11 other teams whose players have all been put in limbo because these big money teams are acting like spoiled rich kids. Well, there you go. Please don't thank the CBC for anything. I have to. Canada would not know how to say the word issue without the CBC. And White Oaks of Jalna would never have been made. Hockey Night in Canada would not be the powerful force in this country that it is, bringing all Canadians together every Saturday night to hate watch the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's what ties the country together. 
It ties everybody together. At 5 o'clock in Alberta and other times throughout the country, everybody reaches out, turns on their television with their little magic wand, and they hate watch the Toronto Maple Leafs. The CBC created that legend. Low tide, it'll be impossible for them to trade down and stay in the first round this summer. 32 is the lowest pick. Nice from old Gill. Well done. Guys, Knobbers must be in serious conversation for the Jack Adams at this point of the season from Bacon King. That's an interesting question. Because when he took over, they were, was it 3-9-1 and one or something like that? And they've been... They've set the entire National Hockey League ablaze. Ablaze. And Knobloch isn't the sole reason. McDavid got healthy. Ekholm got healthy. McLeod got healthy. Stuart Skinner has been really good. The structure of the defense changed. That's partly coaching. Maybe it's Coffey who did that. Doesn't matter. Knobloch's the head coach. I think uh, Bacon King, by the way, great name. I love bacon so much. Do you know they got the pre-cooked bacon now? It's a game changer. If I want to make a BLT, I can do it in like four minutes. I mean, that is a game changer. They didn't have that in 1972. You had to burn everything on your body making bacon. And then everybody bitched and moaned about how well it was cooked or not cooked. Now you got pre-cooked. You just put it in the ding, dingo dango. It's good. Do you, do you eat pre-cooked bacon? I, I've never had it. Like, what I was going to say is, and I didn't want to derail us, but is it really that much of a you know, deterrent to have to make bacon if it's not pre-cooked? And then also, if you cook it yourself, you can kind of have it to your... Well, you your, can you know, with how the you microwave, like too. Oh, yeah, but that's, come on, you can't, that's lowbrow. You what gotta do you fry mean lowbrow? No, you got you to pan fry that up. Or come on now. I'm in a hurry. I want a BLT. Bacon in the microwave seems, seems disingenuous to how bacon is supposed to be eaten. What? what? Who made you bacon god? No one. No one made me bacon god. Also, and you know what? Your cheese takes take you out of every. You're like Travis Yost. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Also, Corey Perry is addressing the media right now. We are uh, pulling the audio, so hopefully, if you would like, we can play some of that later. I would like to hear what uh, okay. Holland and Perry have to say. Yes, I would like somebody to ask Holland what due diligence is because I, for me, I think do you know. Governments sort of taught the world how to handle this. You, you, there's a situation and then you wait because wait is the whole thing. People get busy. They got their, they got to prune their orchards. They have to, you know, make sure that they count the money in the counting room. And, and so people forget about things and then slyly you slide, like on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock. Governments always put a, we spent $11 trillion on a toilet that doesn't work in outer space. You slide that puppy in on Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Nobody's paying attention. Everybody's listening to the Beach Boys driving down the road speeding. That's the way the world is. The Oilers do not have a championship second pair from Big John. Well, I don't know. Big John, they're really good. I know people are mad at CC, and maybe you could upgrade, but maybe you wouldn't upgrade. I, I, I think... If Perry solves the two-way winger situation and Holloway solves the fourth-line center situation, they could, I'm not saying they are, they could be done. 
Maybe they end up trading the first round pick for a, a like a somebody to replace Fogle on the second line. I don't know, but it's blue sky in here today. Okay. People seem a little touchy today, or maybe it's me. I don't know. You know, it is Monday, but people do seem a little do, do you think on the, edge. The text line or a little rage in the cage. It's a little more at your throat than usual. But like I said, it's Monday morning. Oilers just signed this Corey Perry guy. Who knows what his deal is? What so. the hell does that mean? <laughs> no, I'm just you know, there's there's there could be something in there, and I understand it. When I crack me up. It's the best show. Rachel Dory on the way from Staff and Graph Podcast. We're going to talk about Corey Perry. We're going to talk about how many slow forwards you can deploy on a team at once. That's all on the way. And we will talk Patrick Waugh as well. Low down with Low Tide on Sports 1440. 12.41 brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Loving the punk today. Got the Clash. Ramones. I'm thinking maybe we're going to go talking heads next hour. But maybe we're not. Maybe we're going to stay in the punk. Maybe we'll go television or, well, we'll find out. Rachel Dory joining us now from Staff and Graph Podcast. There's so much going on today. I feel like we could do the entire hour, but let's just do a few questions. Uh, Let's start with Corey Perry. What does he bring to the Oilers, and do you see him filling a role well enough to be a regular? Yeah, well, first of all, I like the Ramones uh, little intro there. That's that's my kind of music, so I'm I'm all on board with the pop punk today. I like I like the addition of Corey Perry for Edmonton. I'm not sure about the timing though, because I think any time that you've won uh, an NHL record amount of games in a row, you probably shouldn't touch your dressing room for any reason other than an injury. And so I think upsetting the apple cart is maybe not the best idea time wise. I do think he's a fit though. I think when you look at Corey Perry, obviously he's not going to play the role that he was playing in Chicago because, quite frankly, Edmonton has much better hockey players than they do uh, in the Midwest. And so he'll probably be that third, fourth-line guy. He doesn't have a ton of offense left, but he's not a liability defensively. He's actually – his numbers in my model are are quite good defensively and and better than most of the Oilers' bottom six. So I think he will be a bit of a boost there. Obviously, he brings that agitator element to it. And so when you look at it, he's going to bring a bit of a dynamic. I'm assuming he's going to get a shot on the second power play unit. Um, I don't mind the addition. I just wonder if it was the right time for the Oilers. Yeah, and that's fair. And if they do lose against Columbus, you can sure (laughs) bet that somebody will write that story. I wonder about, just from the point of view of boots, the foot speed among the wingers, Yanmark, Ryan, Gagne, Connor Brown can skate pretty well, but there's there's not a lot of burners there. Does it does it worry you that there's there's a lot of slow boots there on the third and fourth line potentially? It does, and that's why I think skaters like James Hamblin or Dylan Holloway are, are going to be important. And yes, they're they're young players, but at the end of the day, you need guys that can really skate with the puck. I mean, a great example we saw over the weekend was Toronto and Vancouver. Toronto star players played well in that game. But the depth, I mean, Vancouver's third and fourth lines outskated, outworked, outbattled, outplayed the Leafs' bottom six, and it's because they don't have speed, they don't have, they just have an imbalanced lineup. And so when I look at Edmonton, that does worry me a little bit because I think they're more similar to Toronto in that sense and that there isn't a whole lot of speed in that bottom six. There isn't a whole lot of balance in the lineup. And so I think 
Corey Perry obviously um, doesn't contribute to the speed on the positive end of the spectrum, but I do think defensively he's he's still he's really smart, savvy with the puck. He's going to be a veteran sort of voice, um, and maybe that allows you to buy some time if Dylan Holloway or James Hamblin have a bad game or two. You can insulate them a little bit more. Uh, Rachel Dory, our guest from Staff and Graf Podcast. I want I, I'm so interested in your answer to this question because I get a lot of texts saying play Evander Kane more, and then a lot of texts saying, you know, the underlying numbers show he and, say, Connor Brown together are not good at in terms of possession, in terms of outscoring. And there's always that need for leadership or toughness, and Perry is a little bit associated with that. So Rob Vollman always told me that if they're tough and they're leaders and all of those things, it'll have value and it'll show up in the numbers. So how much of what Perry does shows up in the numbers that you like? And Evander Kane I'll throw in as well. Yeah, I I mean, first of all, I have so much respect for Rob Wallman and the work that he does. Like he's one of the original pioneers of hockey analytics and I definitely uh subscribe to that belief as well. There's very little that doesn't show up in the numbers and in any way, shape or form. And I think with Corey Perry, I kind of like he's obviously not the player that he once was, but when you do look at the numbers, the past three or four seasons. Yes, his production has dipped, but he was a half a point a game two years ago. Um, and he can still contribute offensively. And he was playing on Tampa Bay, who, I mean, let's face it, like that, that's a really good hockey team. And then obviously in Chicago, he had, I believe, nine points in 16 games. Like that's nothing to shake your head at. But what's interesting to me is that defensively, Corey Perry is actually above the line like he's not a replacement level player he is still a positive contributor from a possession perspective from a a defensive perspective he's not as good offensively anymore especially now that he's not really going to get the offensive opportunities in Edmonton but where Corey Perry is concerned those numbers show up like his leadership his one puck battles his loose puck recoveries his uh, defensive numbers, like those are all positive. And so when you want to talk about intangibles, like, oh, he wins the battles or he's good on pucks or he's in the right spot, that stuff shows up because that's tangible and we can now track that with the tracking data that we have. Whereas when Evander Kane and Connor Brown are on the ice, you are not seeing that same level of defensive impact and you're seeing almost no offensive impact. I know that Kane has the big contract and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I would be more uh, ready and more willing to give Corey Perry an offensive opportunity before I gave Evander Kane one, because at least I know if Corey Perry is not going to contribute offensively, he's not going to be a liability defensively, or he hasn't shown to be that. Whereas Kane has. Is that sort of what the owners thought they were getting with Connor Brown, like a guy who could score, but also an intelligent two-way guy? I believe that's what they thought they were getting. I think there's also the whole line mate thing in junior hockey with Connor McDavid. And I think there's the fact that he has scored at the NHL level in the same way that Kane has, or Corey Perry has like he, he's shown he's capable of scoring, but I mean, it just hasn't worked. And I wonder if injuries are a part of that. I mean, when you play the way Connor Brown does and um, you rely on, on some of the, the things that he does to be successful injuries can really hamper that. And so I think we're kind of at a point now where it's a, it's a crossroads for Connor Brown and his career. Whereas with Corey Perry, he's kind of found a way to reinvent himself, right? He's not that 
Rocket Richard scorer anymore, but he's found a way to provide value in other facets. And I think Connor Brown needs to find a way to do that. And maybe having somebody like Corey Perry around who has reinvented himself over the past five or so seasons um, can help Connor Brown do that. Because if Connor Brown can do that, I think he can be a valuable bottom six piece for the Oilers. Rachel Doria, our guest staff and graph podcast on Sports 1440. Let's change gears and talk about Patrick Waugh. For me, he's good. He's good for the league because he's outrageous and outspoken, but he also has had success as a coach. And I, I feel like Lou sort of thought, well, this is a this is a card I can deal maybe from the bottom of the deck, but it's unusual. They need help with the Islanders. Is this a genius move or an act of desperation or maybe both? I like the move. Um, I think a lot of people who maybe hadn't paid attention to what Patrick Waugh has done since he left Colorado, obviously in a heap and kind of a disaster. I think a lot of people think that this is maybe a weird hire or not a great hire. But, I mean, having worked in the league the past little while and and followed Patrick Waugh, specifically the Quebec Rempart and the work that he's done there, I think he's really evolved as a coach. He's somebody, uh, when it comes to motivation, I haven't been around somebody other than Bruce Boudreaux that is able to get players to play for him other than those two. Like their ability to get guys to buy in and run through walls for them is second to none in hockey. And so I think right away there, you're going to have um, a a nice fit there because the players, he's likely going to let Matthew Barzell and some of the offensive players have a little more freedom. And so I think we'll finally get to see a Matthew Barzell that doesn't have to play for a Barry Trotz or a Lane Lambert kind of get to do his thing. And I'm excited to see that. Um, But Patrick was also evolved as a coach. He is very underrated when it comes to tactics. I think he's one of the more underrated and it's probably an under-discussed topic in the fact that he is a really bright hockey mind when it comes to how he thinks the game. And it sort of makes sense. I mean, he watched the game from the crease for his whole career. He's seen almost everything there is to see. And so I think he has some fresh perspectives and he is the absolute king, especially in junior hockey, the absolute king of getting the team to perform above the sum of its parts. And that's what the Islanders need. They don't have superstars like a McDavid, like a Dreisaitl, like a Matthews. They have a collection of good players. And Patrick Waugh had that in Quebec. And he was able to get them to play and be more valuable than the sum of their parts. And I think that's exactly what the Islanders need. So I actually really like the fit for him there. And of course, I mean, John Tortorella, Peter Laviolette, and Patrick Waugh in the same division i'll take that every day of the week i hope we get a philly islanders playoff series it's gonna be and they're not terrible they got 51 points in 46 games and lou is the king of of uh, coaching changes that work out so it'll be interesting wanted to ask you about the toronto maple Leafs, and we saw them out here and they looked not great against vancouver and edmonton and then they won a couple of games you know elsewhere but they're you know they have 54 points in 45 games, and I thought they were home and dry in their division, but really they're not. Detroit is just one point behind. Leafs have a game in hand. There's Tampa Bay, even even Montreal and Buffalo. I guess if you want to say you know, well, I guess Montreal and Buffalo are a little ways away. But are you like how long if you are management in Toronto can you wait to make a move and address what I think is the big issue, which is which is defense. So I am, I might be on an island with this way of thinking, but uh, I subscribe to the fact that the Leafs shouldn't be all in this year. I think that you're, well, you're not re-signing Tyler Bertuzzi. 
Uh, you're probably not re-signing TJ Brody, and you are very clearly not a cup contender this year. I think that much has been made very obvious, whether it be the goaltending um, without Joseph Wall, and we don't know how he can stand up after an injury. We have seen that blue line be a mess. I actually think that this is a situation where you look to kind of do one of those quick reboots and you try and get assets for Bertuzzi and Brody at the deadline because teams that are true contenders, the Colorados, perhaps the Edmontons, uh, the Bostons, they're going to want players like that. And I think that's an opportunity where you know you have some huge salaries coming up in the future and you're going to need first-round picks to get players so that they can be in your lineup on cheap contracts. And I just I don't think the Leafs are very good this year, like certainly not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. And so I don't think going all-in is is what they should be doing. In fact, I think it's probably a little bit the opposite and do a little bit of what the Dallas Stars did a few years ago and maybe sell off a few things and, and reboot quickly so that they can really be contenders throughout the, the Matthews contract that that is kind of coming up here. I think that's probably the best solution because I'm not sure that there's any move you're going to be able to make if you're Bradtree living that's going to get you what you really need to be able to take on the Boston to even get out of your division at this point. That's interesting because if they were, if they did offload, they could get some things for some of those UFAs and even, you know, like a, a guy like Noah Gregor doesn't cost a lot. He's an RFA, but that's a guy. There are players on that roster. If they decided to offload, they could get good value for fair. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, Tyler Bertuzzi is exactly the kind of guy you want in the playoffs, right? He's pesky. He's annoying. Yes. He's not scoring here, but he brings other stuff and he's your perfect playoff player. TJ Brody in a second pairing role would be excellent for a contender. Like if he's playing below Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy in Boston, I think he's in a much better spot than if he has to play on the top pair in Toronto. If he's playing with Evan Bouchard in Edmonton, that's probably a much better spot for him, even like for a Matias Ekholm for that matter. I think when you look at it, top four defensemen, and gritty forwards are incredibly value at the, valued at the deadline, and that's exactly what teams, frankly, overpay for every single year. And so if I'm the Leafs, I'm looking at this and going, we're clearly not good enough. We need to be uh, self-aware and try and recoup some assets because we know we're not going to be able to have the money to re-sign some of these guys. So if we're not contending, we might as well get assets for them. I, a final one. I'm trolling my friend Declan here, who's a Bills fan. I loved your tweet about needing to discuss the fact that Patrick Mahomes going to the AFC Championship with that collection of wide receivers. I I still can't believe, I, I know why they won and I know why Buffalo lost, but, you know, Mahomes, I'm not saying he's having his best season ever, but he's working with, with basically mirrors here. Yeah, I mean, that was Buffalo's game last night. When you think about it, they had three fumbles go their way. They had a touchback. Every single thing went their way except the kick. And the reality of the situation is, is if you look at the two plays before Tyler Bass missed the kick, Josh Allen has two opportunities to check down to his receivers to just get a first down. And he decided to play hero ball. And I know he had a great game, but that is on him. And that's the difference, I think, between him and Patrick Mahomes. Because, I mean, neither receiving core is great, but... Patrick Mahomes had a receiver last night with a stat line of one reception, two fumbles, a touchback, 
and negative one rushing yards. And that was his <laughs> third option as a receiver. Like how you get to the AFC championship when you're being sabotaged by Kadarius Tony and McCole Hardman is utterly shocking to me. And so I feel bad for Buffalo Bills fans, but I think that Josh Allen tried to be, tried to play a little hero ball at the end there and it, it kind of bit him. Love it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rachel. Talk to you next week. Okay. There you go. Rachel Dory, Staff and Grab Podcast. Brought it today. Brings it every Monday at 1240, and we really appreciate her. Now, Corey Perry was asked about, I can't believe he answered it, but I love that he did, and Gregor tweeted it out. He was asked, discussing the infamous 2017 goal for Anaheim versus Edmonton in Game 5. I had no issue with it. The league had no issue with it. The puck crossed the line. Even though he's an oiler, he's still trolling the fan base a little bit. Oh, it's going to be fun. Okay, we'll take a break. Jason Greger in hour number two. Low down with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's time for an update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. The hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Edmonton Oilers news is the team has officially signed Corey Perry to a one-year deal at $775,000, and as such, Adam Ernie has officially been placed on waivers. Head coach Chris Knobloch says the original timeline is to have Perry play Saturday. In the NHL, there are six games on the schedule tonight, including Vegas in New Jersey, Chicago in Vancouver, and San Jose in L.A. Around the NHL, Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Connor Timmins has been fined $2,864, the maximum allowable under the CBA, for cross-checking Brandon Tanov of the Seattle Kraken. Eight games in the NBA today, including the Toronto Raptors, who are at home. They're hosting the Memphis Grizzlies, and tip-off for that one, 5.30 p.m. News around the NFL, as the Detroit Lions have agreed to a contract with veteran tight end Zach Ertz, and former Commanders head coach Ron Rivera is interviewing with the Eagles for their defensive coordinator position. And finally, Allison Walker, the newly appointed General Secretary of Canada Soccer, is leaving the job before starting due to, quote, an unforeseen personal matter. Walker, whose appointment was announced on December 22nd, had been slated to start Monday, becoming the first woman to hold down the staff position at the governing body of Canadian soccer. Hour number two of Low Tide is on the way after the break. I'm Declan Kruger, and this has been a Sports 1440 Update.